Hi everyone, it's Andrew. I just wanted to let you know before the episode starts that our first segment today includes discussion of suicide and substance abuse. So if you would rather not hear that, you can go ahead and just skip to about 10 minutes into the show. Okay, enjoy. Welcome to Fresh Pressed for December 15th, 2020. My name is Gabe. And my name is Andrew. This is a show about music where we talk about new tunes and cinematic grooves. Or maybe I should say cine... cine stick Cinema... Yeah, uh-huh. Cinemadvent grooves. Ooh, that, maybe that's something. Maybe that's something. It's not. Yeah, okay, this probably makes no sense to our listeners. Um, so the theme we're doing this week is Christmas movies. Ooh, wait, I have and- some, wait, hold on. I've got something, I've almost got something. And- Born without the stain of original cinematic grooves. <laughs> God, oh man, wow. Um. Our theme this week is Christmas movies. Now, we've done similar themes to this before, like with video games, maybe. When we did Christmas video games, yeah. So it should be noted that we're not bringing music from Christmas movies. Yeah. Rather, we're bringing songs titled or having to do with the title of a Christmas movie. Yes. So maybe maybe this becomes a little bit more clear... Andrew, if you tell us about your song. Okay, yeah. I think this this will clear it up a little bit. Uh, I have brought a song by Sparkle Horse, and the name of the song is also the name of the 2001 album on which it appears, and it's called It's a Wonderful Life. Andrew, to my understanding, It's a Wonderful Life is also a Christmas movie. That's my understanding as well. But neither of us has seen it. You haven't seen It's a Wonderful Life? <laughs> no, I've never seen it. Wow. Great. So neither of us has seen the, either of the movies that we've brought. Andrew, this song is beautiful. And it also feels like the most complicated song to bring from Sparkle Horse. Uh, yeah, it certainly is a complicated one. So let's do some backstory. I've definitely talked about Sparkle Horse on the show before. Uh, I believe back in, what was that, like February when we talked about now friend of the pod, Ben Saratan. Right. Um, because he his voice and a lot of his uh, songwriting style reminded me of Sparkle Horse or uh, more specifically Mark Linkus, who is the was the mind behind the act Sparkle Horse. Uh, In 1995, he released the first Sparkle Horse album, 
which uh, of course is called Viva Dixie Submarine Transmission Plot. That's all one word. Naturally. Now, uh, he released uh, a few albums over the years under the name Sparkle Horse. This one, It's a Wonderful Life, is from 2001. And then in um, 2010, he uh, sadly took his own life. And that was after a few months after um, the suicide of his close friend, Vic Chestnut, uh, who I believe also appears at least briefly on this album. And uh, he'd been struggling with um, a lot of depression and substance abuse issues uh, his whole life. And he left behind a large body of work and a really distinctive voice. I mean, literally a distinctive voice, but also a distinctive songwriting voice and sort of philosophy on, on music. I have a quote here about the kind of music that he tries to make. He says, Imagine a record as a galaxy and all the songs as sort of little planets, and some of them are messed up and spinning off axis. <laughs> song it's a wonderful life is uh actually in part in reference to uh, an earlier uh brush with mortality that mark lincas has had when he was touring uh i believe it's his first ever sparkle horse tour supporting radiohead which is a wild crazy what <laughs> combination of things he was in other bands before that that like musicians were into so it does it sort of makes sense but that is it's crazy yeah and it was also 1996. No, it was 1996, though. That's pre-OK Computer. So that is pre-like Radiohead being Radiohead. Yeah. I, probably, that was probably like the Benz tour or something, which... Yeah. Gabe, it's not time to talk about the Benz yet. That's for later in this episode. Anyway, uh, while he was on tour supporting Radiohead, he had an accidental overdose on alcohol and some uh, prescription drugs and possibly other things and that was pretty serious um he uh had some like leg problems for the rest of his life as a result of that yeah that was i mean that was sort of a, a big deal because again i mean he was touring for radiohead and so that was like in the news and that was the beginning of his career as sparkle horse but he said after writing after releasing this song that uh it is specifically a and this is a quote a fuck you to journalists who couldn't forget about his brush with death or see the beauty hidden within his songs and that's kind of nice that he writes a fuck you to journalists that is just like a happy song now i say it's a happy song but also uh it is very much like yeah the way that he writes songs yeah. is this these combinations of uh images that can sometimes be uh off-putting I would say sure, but I think I think that's part of wh why this, why he's writing this and, and thinking about it as this like fuck you to these journalists who are just focusing on lines like I'm a bog of poison frogs, and being like ah yes this is because he poisoned his body when he was in a bog meaning London, <laughs> but it it always comes back to it's a wonderful life and so I think that 
recontextualizes each of those fragments into like, I don't know. I, th I think it's like a call to find the beauty in those individual things. You know, some of these lines are kind of silly. Like I'm a bog of poison frogs is a little silly, especially because it rhymes. And another one that's good is I'm full of bees who died at sea. Yeah. I like the whole idea of the weird and slightly off-putting imagery mixed with the foundational idea of it's a wonderful life because I do think that reflects uh, sometimes my feelings or maybe everybody feels this <laughs> way about life. Like even amidst like some of the weird and shitty things that happen uh, day to day, there is still something to be found in that even in, even in the absurdity of those ideas. Yeah. I, I want to close with this line that comes from, Ali Carnwath, Carnwath. I don't know who that is, but whoever they are, they've written a, a tribute to Mark Linkus on his official website. Their quote here specifically mentions this song, and they're talking about how after his death, there was a lot of uh, there was uh, plenty of reason if you if you wanted to to seek out that sort of morbid and macabre aspect of his lyrics and and find the meaning that takes on more meaning now that something has happened. Um, but they say, but in the end, what comes through most clearly is not despair or a rejection of life, but a deeply felt appreciation of it. He would sing a line as strange and troubling as, I'm full of bees who died at sea, and in the next declare with absolute sincerity, it's a wonderful life. It's a Gabe, it's December. Um, you're curling up on the couch with a blanket. There's a fire in the fireplace. You're turning on the TV to watch uh, your favorite holiday classic. What is the film that you've brought to talk about today? So fortunately, this is not a movie podcast because I don't know anything about this movie. Never even heard of it, but it's an excuse to bring a song. That's great. Um, so the movie title is Snow Globe, which is a 2007 TV movie directed by Ron Lagomarsino, um, starring Christina Million, Christina Million, Aaron Carpluck, Hilda Doherty, and Jason Schombang. So if any of you, I keep thinking every single one of those names, I thought it was going to be a famous person, and then it wasn't. Yeah, no famous people here. You're like Aaron Carpluck. I was like, okay, <laughs> never mind. We are firmly in the D list on this one, folks. Um, um, something to do with I'll just read the IMDB blurb a young woman discovers a Christmas themed dream world inside a magical snow globe that sounds like it's a like that makes me think it's a like a Pixar short but maybe I'm just thinking of that Pixar short knickknack where there was a snow globe that was a formative Pixar short for me well I'm glad it's conjuring lots of great imagery for you as sometimes is the case, or often, or all the time is the case with a the theme, this just leads me to pick... As is the point of this this structure of the podcast. This led me to the delightfully beautiful song Snow Globe by Longbeard off her record from last year titled Means to Me.
did you find out about Longbeard? You know, I was trying to think of how I found out about Longbeard. And it turns out that a friend of mine had um, seen them in Philly open for one of their favorite bands. Oh, interesting. Uh, this small venue, have you heard of it? It's called Boot and Saddle. Yeah, so of course, Andrew introduced me to Longbeard. And Longbeard is Leslie Bear, and she is from New Jersey, um, New Brunswick specifically, which normally I wouldn't name the town, but like the whole album is about the town, so <laughs> it seems a little bit more relevant here. And she makes one of my favorite genres of music, which is like dream pop, you know, kind of this reverbed out, beautiful instrumental music with the vocals in the background of the mix. Andrew, you're probably familiar with Longbeard in large part because she plays on the Double Double Whammy label, which is one of your favorite labels. True. Including a bunch of bands that I'm not going to name because I can't really think of one at the time I had. Maybe Howdy. I don't remember. Yeah. Lamelda would be a good one to name. Oh, yeah, yeah. Lamelda, for instance. <laughs> um, so this is her second record. Uh, means to me that came out last year and the entire album is about like returning to live as an adult in the town she grew up in um so it's all centered around that idea and that's very present in this song snow globe one aspect of the song that i like and really fits the whole aesthetic and theme of the album is um there's like a very repetitive sort of electronic guitar figure that happens constantly throughout the song. And to me, that summons like the same like repetitive notions of going back to where you grew up in. You know, I just recently learned that my brother's like best friend from high school and college moved back and bought a house in the town that we grew up in, which is a very small little town. And you know, starting to enter that time in your life where people are like, have like gone away maybe for college or maybe for a first job and then like are slowly moving back to where they're from again. You know what I mean, Andrew? <laughs> have like this sense of weird belonging to them or like like a sense of like not quite belonging like what am I doing back here and I think some of that is also driven by her like story which she was a full-time like uh, computer scientist engineer for some corporate company that is always left unnamed in everywhere that I could find that apparently she hated <laughs> and just was like, you know what? Fuck it. I'm just doing music. Um, and then when she did that, then moved back um, and kind of all of that happened at once. She got launched like back into the music scene um, in large part because she toured with Japanese breakfast um, for mm. a little while playing bass for them. And it's funny reading the, like, the interview where she talks about it. She's like, yeah, I had to go and learn bass. 
Um, she's a self-taught guitarist. Um, and so was like, yeah, well, you know, like, guitars and basses are like kind of the same instrument. Yeah. And so just ended up playing bass for a few shows for Michelle's Honor, um, who's Japanese Breakfast. A bass is just two thirds of a guitar. You know, you couldn't have put it. I couldn't have put it better myself. Andrew, why is this song titled Snow Globe? Well, it's inspired by the 2007 TV movie Snow Globe, starring uh, Daniel Day Schnuis, and I don't have, I don't know, why is it called Snow Globe? Please tell me. Well, I thought I would open it up for discussion here because nowhere in the song lyrics uh, does the phrase Snow Globe appear. Yeah. Um, but I like the idea of like coming back to this town that seems so idyllic, but is also like trapped in a glass ball. Mm, like the Simpsons movie. <laughs> wow, I hadn't thought about the Simpsons movie in years. Did you recently rewatch it? or? No, I don't know why that came into my mind. I did see it in theaters for some reason. Um. I don't know. The snow globe feels like the perfect metaphor for like going back and being slightly trapped in this weird place that is very familiar. My partner is currently living in the city that she was born in, but not the one she was raised in. Mm -hmm. And when she moved here, her brother said, isn't it funny that the sum of all of your life's movements have put you three miles from where you started. Damn. That's deep. Yeah, we'll end on that note, I guess. Andrew, new music. Tell me about it. New music. New music. I'm very excited to talk to you about the new single from Katie Kirby, uh, which is will be the title track of her upcoming debut album. This is Cool Dry Place. That's the Andrew, this song fucking rocks. It's so fucking good. I'm, I was so excited about it. I, you know, sometimes when I find a song, when I find like a single that I'm like, oh, this is really good. I'm like, oh, but should I pick it? Because if this is really good, then probably the album's going to be really good. And don't I want to talk about the whole album when the whole album comes out? But um, then occasionally I'll just be like, no, this song's too good. I got to talk about it now. This song is so good. Ugh. So, uh, like I said, this is off her upcoming debut album, which is also entitled Cool Dry Place. It's coming out February 19th uh, on the Keeled Scales label, which is an Austin-based label. Um, tiny little indie label. They have uh, 
a lot of bands that I don't know, uh, a couple that I do like Buck Meek, who is uh, also part of Big Thief, and uh, an album that I really enjoyed from this year, Tensi did uh, My Heart is an Open Field. I tweeted about it for one of the recent Bandcamp Fridays. But anyway, um, she is also from Texas, like the label. And uh, this song is uh, sort of about uh relationships and emotional boundaries and not being able to keep to those boundaries or keeping too strongly to those boundaries uh she says about it i had a very fun habit of getting involved with someone and then getting cagey once they needed or just wanted me more than i was comfortable with this song is uh me beginning to see my own needs in an embarrassingly transparent way i too am nothing more than a meat bag of vulnerabilities Ugh. Well, jeez, is that the <laughs> phrasing we have to go with for that? It is. I just, I love the chorus of this song. Can I come over? Is it too late? Would you keep me in a cool, dry place? I just love that because it's like, you know, like what you are supposed to do with certain food items. Yeah, like your flower. Um, Just to like keep them safe. But it's also sort of like a little bit out of sight. It's this idea of like, I want to be... I want to be cared for, but in a way that is not too much, you know? I don't want to be out on your kitchen table in the sun. I want to be in your house and you want, you think about it where where you put me, but I want that place you put me to be sort of like, you know, in a safe in a safe location where I have sort of my own space to be olive oil or whatever. Yeah, put me in your pantry. I don't know why she didn't just entitle the song "Put Me in Your Pantry." I think that would have been a better song. Definitely, it's got way better rhythm to it, alliteration, everything. Katie Kirby, and you know, Gabe, as uh, Katie Kirby has said herself, the rhythm's more important than the melody. Wow, um, that's actually a great. It's 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 a, a good line in a great verse. And with all my extra rods and cones, I see that the rhythm's more important than the melody. Ten segments in an orange. Only so many ways you can pull apart someone. So good. What good lines. It's great songwriting. understand why you are drawn to the songwriting andrew Mm -hmm. but let's be honest this song is about that incredible transition yeah it really uh to use a metaphor i have used many a time on this podcast it really does blossom as the song continues um it expands in all directions and goes from this you know just sort of small scale voice and guitar song to this expansive fiery indie rock song like i i i wish well no i'm glad that this album's not coming out this year because like if it came out next week that would really fuck up my whole like top albums list i'd have to do a lot of last minute reorganizing um so i'm glad this does not have to count in the running because this song is so excellent. I mean, I, I I feel 
away about the 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 expansion and explosion in this song similarly to the way i feel about big thieves not from last year which was one of my favorite songs yeah yes andrew i want to see this song live i can like i was like visualizing yeah. while i was listening to it like totally could be the opener of the set you know like she comes out and she's just playing some light guitar and singing through the first half of the song. And then, you know, like the whole song opens up and the lights come on and like everything <laughs> happens and it's just fucking great. That's I love that you said that because I was going to say this was the perfect like final encore song where like oh, it's it would just also, her. Yes the lights come down and it's just her and she comes out and sings it. And then, you know, the rest of the band starts coming in and then it just goes nuts, uh, into the end. This is, this is like a song that I would have absolutely loved to see at the boot and have it just like blast and, and explode. Um, and just like walk back home with a big smile on my face and my ears kind of ringing. Yeah. Is it too What's new with you? So, Andrew, remember when we did that podcast uh, about small venues and songs seen at small venues and trying to support small venues? That's kind of been like a thing for us recently. Yes, that podcast. Serial, I think it was called. <laughs> well, I'm continuing that particular theme, but with a new song in support of what appears to be a great small venue in a place I've never been. Nice. Um, so the name of this song is Cocklock? Coachlock? Cocklock? Yeah. Um, and it's by the jazz ensemble Snazback. So, Snazback um, are a seven-piece group out of Bristol in the UK, as opposed mm. to all the various Bristols in the United States, um, consisting of the following individuals. Alfie Grieve, Chris Langton, David Sanders, Elijah Nishida, Hal Sutherland, Mike Vince, and Richard Allen. And they also frequently collaborate with the singer China Bowles, um, who I've listened to some of their songs with her, and it's just like, they're fucking amazing. She's incredible. And they are an artist in residence, I, I guess you'd say, at an establishment in Bristol called The Gallimaufry. Indeed, this song, Cocklock, 
Is that what it is? Well, how do you want me to say it? I don't know. I want you to say it the right you just way. Don't like I want that you sounds to... like cock block. I just want you to find out what the right way to say it is. I don't and know. if you don't have to say a slang term for a a vulgar uh you know uh, uh, uh you know uh, uh, you you know all right we'll go with kochloch kochloch this song kochloch was recorded live on the gallimaufry um and indeed that is on the gallimaufry yeah on yep that's so british well uh, no andrew they recorded it on the roof oh Wait, are you serious? Is this a joke? No, this is for real. There's a video. Okay. <laughs> Great. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So not a, not just a weird Britishism. Indeed, they were on the roof of the Gallimaufry. Um, And I was looking at the website for this venue, and it's fucking awesome. They're an independent restaurant, bar, and live music venue in arts space. It looks like they have a gorgeous bar and, like, dark wood. Listen. The British know how to do good bars. That's for sure. And it looks like they have great food. In typical times, they have music every day of the week. Live music every day of the week there. Which is not something you can say for many establishments. And no, that's pretty cool. This bar is like the heart of the jazz scene in Bristol in particular. And Snazback um, had a weekly set. They played every week. Wow. So this song... Um, is recorded in support of the establishment whose owner is James Coke, hence the name of the song, Coke <laughs> Okay. You think his name is James Cock, is what you're telling me. Listen, I don't know. It's Britain. What What do you mean it's Britain? What does that, what does that they, mean? Listen, the name of the bar is the Gallimaufry. But what is your point here? Um, for those of you would out be... there who like to have that spelled, that's spelled G-A-L-L-I-M-A-U-F-R-Y. And it is a real word, Andrew. I don't believe you. I don't know why you said that as if I didn't believe you. Which essentially means hodgepodge. But the venue has a really lovely way of putting it. They say, our interpretation, making the best out of what's available to us on a daily basis. Reusing, mm-hmm. upcycling, or recycling. Anyway, really cool, really cool little venue um, that is supported by this band and who supports this band. And um, they on their band camp, you can get a link to the venue where they are selling merch and things if you want to support this cool little venue with a dope name. But we should also probably talk about the song. I guess so, yeah. <laughs> you know, that's part of the show. So this song was composed by their trumpeter, Alfie Grieve, who has the first solo in the song as well. What's immediately striking to me is that this song was definitely recorded live and sounds that way in the best of ways. And it's really cool to watch the video of them performing it on the top of this bar um, in like the freezing November air of (laughs) Western England. The group just has good chemistry and is very much in sync. And what I love about jazz, especially live jazz, is watching and listening to the musicians make all of their improvised decisions. 
right? Like there's a melody that everything is sort of based around and a groove that the song is based around and some sort of structure. But not just the solos, which is what we traditionally think of as the improvisational section of the song, but very much like when the piano player decides to play hmm. and what the piano player decides to play, what sort of chord inversions they're playing. Like how does the, how does this, the, the sound get created in that moment and what the drummer is doing, which by the way, I find the drum work on this song particularly fascinating. A lot of their music um, plays around with like Latin and Afrobeat elements that are i think pretty closely tied to a lot of jazz in general but particularly this style of jazz There's also um, a really great like feel switch, I guess you'd call it, um, when they go from the trumpet solo to the guitar solo. Mm. It feels like the beat sort of breaks down, and it's it's great to watch them live because like everybody's body changes, like the whole body <laughs> language of the ensemble goes like from like like one way to like. And then laid back and like the, going into this really sick guitar solo um, that just has great feel to it. That's a great like visual representation of of the chemistry of a band that I mean, you know, that's not like rehearsed. Hopefully it's not rehearsed that they all change their body language at that moment. No, this is not. An but they're all like group. in the same they're all the same like mindset that it just like it ripples out. Yeah, it's just really cool to watch musicians and listen to musicians like basically not along with each other. They're not really looking at each other. There's not a lot of eye contact happening. Everybody just sort of understands what's happening um, through their playing and through rehearsal. When you get really good chemistry as an ensemble, you, you start to have like this proprioceptive sensation of being in the group. Right, like you're all just extensions of one body, which is right, 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 right. Really cool, um, and it comes through in the music. Andrew, what other music did you want to highlight from this past week? You know, there's a lot of good stuff. I would say uh, an album that I really, really super enjoyed from this weekend was uh, Soloists by Ben Eisenberger. That's on the Plastic Miracles label, which is uh, Oceanator's sort of uh, self-run label. Really lovely music. Yeah, I really enjoyed it. Soloists by Ben Eisenberger. Ogbert the Nerd? Mm-hmm. put out a very fun emo record called I Don't Hate You. There's a cool sort of like post-rock instrumental kind of stuff 
that's not everyone's cup of tea, but is my cup of tea, uh, by a group that I know nothing about called My Heart and Inverted Flame. And the title of that album is Plague Notes, Unnamed, Unknown, A Finger Dragged Through the Dust. Whoa. Yeah, that should give you, that should, you should be able to tell from that whether or not that's, that's your kind of shit. Nilufer Yanya put out like a 10 minute EP which is her first release since last year's Miss Universe, which was an amazing album, and I've been looking forward to more of her music. Um, there was a nice uh, Christmas album or EP from Josh Kimbrough, who's a guitarist, uh, called Yule Chime. It's it's three Christmas carols, but bookended by some uh, original Christmas winter thematic pieces that are, that are really lovely. And there were some other really good singles that I liked. Palberta have another single titled The Way That You Do. An artist named Moontype put out a beautiful little song called Ferry that I consider bringing. Yeah, I like that. And Andrew, there was um, a couple major artist releases that dropped this week as well. Yeah. So let's talk about those releases in the briefest sense. There's, There's Taylor Swift put out another album. It's a Taylor Swift album. I have nothing more to say about it. Yeah, it's not as good as folklore, but it's 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 fine. It's it, yeah, I kind of agree. It's like it's like a Taylor. Swift I mean, look, album, I, you know? I'm I not folklore... like I'm not the person. I'm yeah, not the yeah. person to ask about uh, for Taylor Swift opinions. Like, I listened to folklore because Aaron Dessner worked on it, and I wanted to hear the sounds that he did. And then I listened to this because I listened to folklore, and then I was like, why did I listen to this? Yeah, it's, I don't think it's as good as folklore. Um, there was also the record from the Avalanches. We will always love you. Which is oh, their yeah, third record, that. which I also haven't listened to yet. It's just so long, and <laughs> I've liked the singles that have come out, so I'm going to listen to it probably tonight or tomorrow. Um, Kid Cudi put out the third Man on the Moon. Yeah. Solid. Phoebe Bridgers is featured on one of the songs. Yeah. But there is one other album that I want to mention. Uh, Rosie Carney put out a uh, full like track by track cover album of Radiohead's The Bands. And uh this is this is my hot take, Gabe. Better than the original. Whoa. Wow. <laughs> I now I have to listen to it. My goodness. I mean, let let me be clear. I don't like the bands. It's got some good hits. It's got some good hits on it. And I would say that like I would say that Rosie Carney's Fake Plastic Trees is good. I wouldn't say that hers is, is better than the Radiohead version. But I think every other track on the album is uh, I like hers better than Radiohead's. Wow, who knew that this episode was going to have a lot of Radiohead talk in it? I mean, I did. This has been quite the year for Radiohead covers, it feels like. Yeah. Anyway, I guess it's just that kind of vibe. Sure is. So that's our show for the week. You can follow us on Twitter at Fresh Pressed Pod. Um, you can find a Spotify playlist with all our selections from the show over the past 55 episodes. Um, and we leave uh, that on Spotify, and there's a link in the show notes. Andrew, we have decided that we will be doing one more episode this year, mm-hmm. which will be our year-end episode. Do we know when that's gonna come out? Um, it'll probably we'll probably put it out just like on that last Tuesday, which is like the 29th or something. But we'll we're gonna be recording it sooner than that. So if any massive news drops between 
when we record and when we put that out. We'll talk about it the week after. But yeah, so we're going to take next week off. And then uh, the following week is when our classic year-end episode that we do every year since the inception of this podcast last year. And along with uh, that episode where we're going to talk about some of our favorite songs that we didn't talk about on the podcast uh, this year, we are also going to put out our individual top 25 albums of the year. Our favorites, not necessarily something that we think is like the most important album of the year kind of shit. You know, you know us. That's how we do this whole show. Um, And that'll be a lot of fun. Yeah, so keep an eye out for that. So we'll see you in a couple weeks. But until then, I'm Gabe. I'm Andrew. And you've been listening to Fresh Pressed. Fresh Pressed.